changes. What's the Word? Brought to you by Columbia Baptist Church in Columbia, Kentucky on 101.9 WAIN. I am Randy Johnson, the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thank you for joining us every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock right here on 101.9 WAIN. Well, good evening and welcome to What's the Word? I took last week off and was I just did not have an opportunity to get in to record the show for you all. And so I apologize to all of my faithful listeners that were disappointed last Wednesday night. Uh, for those of you that didn't know that I took last Wednesday night off, uh, welcome to this Wednesday night. Uh, but yes, we had a, uh, a busy week the week before at, uh, at the church. We hosted an evangelism crusade with the strength team got a group of guys and a lady that come in and break all kinds of things just to grab the you know they break bricks and bend steel and bust through ice and they uh, rip through phone books and license plates and they roll frying pans into what looks like a burrito they do all of those crazy things just to grab the attention of people that need to know about Jesus, and it's a it's a wonderful opportunity uh, for us as a church to host that that uh, crusade. And so, coming off of that, I just did not have the time to put a quality show together. So I apologize that I wasn't able to do that, but I'm very thankful to be back with you tonight. And my goodness, do I have a jam packed show for you? You might think. Upon first hearing this topic, that today is going to all be about food. But you know, it is post Halloween, pre Thanksgiving, pre Christmas, and it's the time of the year where food is wonderful, people eat it, and they regret it later. I mean, there are so many wonderful foods that are out, uh, whether they have pumpkin or spice or pumpkin spice whether they have cinnamon and apples, uh, you know, just things that are baking, breads that are being made, side dishes for Thanksgiving. You might think tonight is all about food, but there is a similar theme because the theme of the show tonight is the proof is in the pudding. You've heard that phrase maybe before, the proof is in the pudding. And, and really that phrase just simply means that, you know, once you actually taste of something, then you know whether it's the legit thing. You know whether or not it's good. I mean, I have movies to review. I have testimonies to go over. I have food to share with you. I have, um, you know, some unusual plants to talk about. I mean, don't tune me out just because you don't want to hear about food. You are going to hear tonight that the proof is in the pudding. Now, there are some things that I have to say, if it's edible, I don't know that I would eat it. You know, I might smell it. I might watch somebody eat it. But just because it is made to be eaten doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to eat it. Now, I'll give you an example. Speaking of food, there are flavors of Pringles, yes, the chips, that have Thanksgiving flavors. This is brand new information to me. I had no idea that Pringles made a some flavors of potato chips that taste like Thanksgiving food. One that caught my eye was turducken. Now, turducken is a combination of turkey, duck, and chicken. And they're all kind of wrapped together, baked together, and so those flavors kind of bleed together. But there is a flavor of Pringles that tastes like turducken, apparently. I don't know that I'm interested in trying it. I have had turducken once. I uh, thought it was okay. But... You know, that's not really high on my radar, and so I have to say neither would be 
eating a Pringles chip that tasted like turducken. But they don't stop there. Pringles has flavors like mashed potatoes, creamed corn, green bean casserole, and mac and cheese. Now, let me just say, if I had to rank those of ones that I would eat down to the ones that I would not eat, the mac and cheese, just because it's cheese, I probably would try a Pringles chip that tastes like cheese because in all honesty, they already do that. It may not have a unique flavor that reminds you of mac and cheese, but they have Pringles that they put cheese on. Obviously, I would try that one. But I would say the turducken would probably be second. But when you talk about a Pringles chip that tastes like either mashed potatoes or cream corn or green bean casserole, I have to draw the line there. To me, that's just gross. Now, the way that Pringles is doing this is they put this whole kit together so that when you get together with friends and family, you may not bring those items, but you bring this Pringles kit together you know, with you, and you share this with people, and when you open up this kit, it has little stacks of all of those foods that I just mentioned. So it has the meat, it has the sides, it has your starches and, and all of this, and this apparently has been for three years now has been a thing. Um, you know, I'm just old-fashioned enough that I actually want green bean casserole. I actually want the turkey and the dressing. And, you know, and if you make mac and cheese, sure, I will eat that too, and, and mashed potatoes. I actually want those things on my plate. I don't want a stack of Pringles that apparently tastes like those things. I actually want the real thing. And, you know, when you think about the kind of life that you live, you know, to, to draw this analogy of being a, a Christian that has an influence in the world, you know, Jesus used analogies when he said that we are to be salt and light to the world. Now, are we to literally be salty? Are we literally to be lit up like a Christmas tree? Of course not. He was using that as an analogy. Our life should be salt or a preserving agent and a flavor and a seasoning agent to the world that is corrupted by sin. Our lives as Christians should shine light in dark places in a world that is in darkness because of sin. But we are to be the real thing. To use those analogies, yes, we are to be similar to those things, but when somebody sees your life, when they hear your testimony, when they catch a glimpse of who you are as a Christian, it should not be that you are a flavor of or a brand of or an off-brand or something that you are similar to. No, you're to be the real deal. You are to not just be like these Pringles that taste like mac and cheese. You are to actually be the real thing. And so when people meet you, it's not just that you say that you have some characteristics of being a Christian. Because let's be honest, any person can have characteristics of any religion, of any cult, of any following, of any teachers, and can certainly have a few characteristics of the nature of Jesus Christ. But when you actually say that you are a follower of Jesus, it's not just that you look like it, it's not that you smell like it, it's not that you walk like it, but that you actually are and in your heart, in your life, in your mind, in your behavior, in your attitudes, in how you respond to things, you really are the real deal. So the proof is in the pudding. And what I love is the idea that I can let God live in me and through me and do so much in my life that it's not me that people see, but rather it's him. You know, speaking of food and speaking of your, your testimony, there's a, a recent study that says that the food that you eat actually has, this is no surprise, but they, they identified specific ones, 
that certain foods can have certain immediate benefits to your life. Now, again, this is no surprise. You know, when we eat certain foods, we feel certain ways because certain things, you know, go through our bodies. And if you eat a diet of, you know, 90% sugar, then your body is going to feel a certain way. If you have a diet of 90% fats, then your body's going to feel a certain way. But they found that a Mediterranean diet that has olive oil, nuts, fatty fish, whole grains, those types of things that have lots of folate and vitamin B12, that that's been associated with a risk of depression. Now, again, this is nothing new. People know that you take certain vitamins for certain things. But but when you realize that the more of those things that you put in your body, that it has an instant effect, not just because you have B12 or folate, but because you're actually putting healthier things in your body and it does your body good. When you put healthy bacteria in your body, that benefits your body, like yogurt. It has probiotics in it. Uh, so does garlic and leeks and onions and asparagus. Those, just like yogurt, put good, healthy bacteria in your body that helps you digest, that helps your body to function well. Foods that have high fiber in it. You know, things like uh, vegetables that have that are spinach and Swiss chard and fresh herbs and basils will boost your mood. These foods have an immediate, instant impact in our life. Now, on one hand, to say that those things are healthy, that's good. The other hand, to say not only are they healthy, but they also will enhance my body. They'll help my body to work better. They'll help my mood. They'll help my attitude. They'll help me to be more positive and fight depression. Those are all the reasons in the world why we should eat those foods. But yet, things like donuts, pizza, hamburgers... French fries, you know, those things are easier to access than Swiss chard or fresh cooked spinach. And some people don't eat things like that because they don't like the smell or they don't like the look of it or, you know, it's just not, it's just not in their shopping cart when they go to the grocery store. They just don't naturally buy olive oil and fatty fish and whole grain and things like that. But, you know, if you really stop and thought about what you put in your body has an instant impact in how you feel and how you behave and and how your body functions, then perhaps you will adjust your shopping cart the next time you go to the store. And speaking of food, in the same way, if when we speak of things in a spiritual nature— that the things that you put in your life are going to have an instant effect inward and outward. You think about the attitudes and the actions that Christians are called to live out, the attitudes that we're called to have, the actions that we're supposed to live out, all of those things that are supposed to be identifiable in our life. How do you get those things? How do you produce the right attitude? How do you live out the right action? How do you get to the place where your attitudes and actions match up with what God has called us to live and how Jesus lived? Well, it all goes back to the question of what are you putting in your body? I don't mean physical food. I'm talking about spiritual food. In other words, how are you going to live as a Christian if you're not feeding your heart and your mind and your soul the word of God? How are you ever going to have peace if you don't pray? How are you going to have a sweet spirit and learn to forgive other people if you don't study more and and embrace more of how Christ, through the mercy and the grace of God, can forgive you? You know, we, we want to be healthy. We want to walk through the holidays without putting on holiday weight. We want to be able to enjoy food, and we want to be able to have a long, healthy life. But when you examine what you put in your body, the quality of life that you have is directly proportional with what you put in your body. The same is true of your spiritual life. Your spiritual life is as healthy as as whatever it is that you put into your spiritual life. 
if you don't attend church regularly, if you don't read the Word regularly, if you don't pray regularly, if you don't have relationships and have fellowship with other Christians on a daily basis, if you are constantly putting into your heart and your mind and your eyes things that are impure, things that are unholy, things that are unhealthy, then that's going to result in your spiritual life being less than what God wants it to be, less than what you need it to be. Because listen, you're going to have some some bad moments in your life. You're going to have moments of crisis. You're going to have moments of decision. You're going to have moments of frustration and disappointment. And how you deal with those moments is directly proportionate to the quality of spiritual food that you've put in your body. So I just want to challenge you this evening as we start and talking about food and talking about the proof being in the pudding. I just want to challenge you to make sure that what you put in your heart, your mind, your soul, and in your spiritual self is the highest quality spiritual food that God has provided. Those basics that I just mentioned a moment ago are just like the basic vitamins and food groups that God has provided for us to put in our physical bodies. And if you put junk in, you can expect that junk will come out. And if you put junk in your brain, you can imagine that junk is going to come out of your mouth. If you put foolishness in your heart, you can guarantee that foolishness is going to come out of your life. And so, again, this, this whole show tonight is talking about food. But really, it means the spiritual food. Now, not that long ago, there was all kinds of debate on social media and, and it you know, made it to the news and several segments talking about the best chicken sandwich that's ever been made. I talked about this. Other people have talked about this. I think we can all say that the chicken sandwich conversation has been beat to death. Until tonight. Tonight, I'm going to introduce to you a list, a ranking of the top 10 best chicken sandwiches in the fast food industry. Now, I did not make this list. I do not endorse this list. But I am sharing this list with you for your own good. Because we all go to fast food restaurants, and most of us think that chicken is a better option than beef as far as healthy and saturated fat. But listen, almost every single chicken sandwich on this list in the top 10 is fried. So fried chicken, saturated fat and health-wise, is no better than a hamburger. However, there are some that taste better than others. Number 10 on the list is the Burger King Tender Crisp Chicken Sandwich. Now, I like the look of the sandwich because of the bun that it's on. This bun looks like a king. I mean, it looks fantastic. Number nine is the McDonald's McChicken. I've had this one. Uh, it's not bad. I think you can get it grilled or fried. I don't, I don't know for sure. But uh, that's nine on the list. The number eight on the list is the Burger King Original Chicken Sandwich. This one comes on like a hoagie bun with sesame seeds on the top. It's a it's pretty good. I mean, they have had uh, Italian. They've had some other kind of flavors to it. You know, it makes it a little unique. Number seven on the on their list is the Popeyes Chicken Po' Boy Sandwich. Again, this one comes on on a long triangular bun. I've not had this one, so I don't know if it's good, but it looks like a huge piece of chicken. Number six on the list is Wendy's Homestyle Chicken Filet. Now, it's about time that we put Wendy's on the list because, there, you know, there are things Wendy's does really well. And their Homestyle Chicken Filet, number six on the list. Number five, and I have to say, of the rest of the five, uh, Chick-fil-A has three of the next uh, of the top five. I mean, that's all they do is chicken. You would expect Chick-fil-A to have some of the best chicken sandwiches. But number five on the list is the Chick-fil-A barbecue bacon grilled chicken sandwich. Now, this is a good attempt at being healthy 
because it's grilled chicken. However, they put barbecue sauce on it, which adds sugar, adds calories, and they throw bacon and cheese on there. So that pretty much just ruins the health factor, but it ramps the taste factor way up. Number four on the list, not a surprise, is Wendy's Spicy Chicken Sandwich. You know, you would think if their home style is on there that their their spicy chicken sandwich is basically the same type of sandwich. It just got spice on it. But here's the top three. And I'm going to give you these in descending order. So number one on the list is the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. Just the state, just the, the, the plain Jane Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, been around forever, has very little on it. It's just lightly fried, lightly breaded fried chicken. I have to say, I have no argument here. Um, Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich, it's a, it's, a, it's a gold standard. Number two on the list is the Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich. Now, this enters into a realm I don't get into. Uh, I don't do spicy much anymore, but uh, the Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich, you know, I mean, if, if the Chick-fil-A regular chicken sandwich is number one, the spicy chicken has to be number two because the only difference is the spice. But the number three popular best fast food chicken sandwich on the list is the new Popeye's chicken sandwich, which rivals, I would say, the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich and how it looks and how it's presented. Now, do you take exception with that list? Uh, you may not have had all of these. But if you've had one that you really like, and see, I like the Wendy's grilled chicken sandwich, which didn't make the top 10, but that's personally, that's my favorite only because it's a little healthier than the fried. In fact, I'm looking down the list. I don't even see Wendy's grilled chicken sandwich in the top 37. Now that's a shame, but here we're talking about food. And in this episode, I'm telling you what you put in your body goes a long way to say how your life is going to go. So maybe you take exception to this list and you prefer the Popeye's chicken sandwich over any of these others. And if you do, then eat one for me because I don't think the Popeye's chicken sandwich or even the Chick-fil-A spicy chicken sandwich is ever going to be on my radar. It's just not for me. You know, it's not going to be much longer, speaking of food yet again, it's not going to be much longer until we get to Thanksgiving. And there are a few traditions that people have around the holidays. And and I would say it starts at Halloween. Uh, people that uh, have Halloween on their radar, you know, it's, it's, it's one night. Sometimes, you know, people do things. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's important. Sometimes it's not. But I would say once November hits, it's pretty well on for Thanksgiving. And then once December hits, or really once Thanksgiving is over, then it's full-on Christmas. You know, in terms of decorating, in terms of food, in terms of, you know, shopping and meal preps and all this kind of thing. But, you know, another thing that kind of flies under the radar sometimes uh, in terms of Thanksgiving are Thanksgiving movies, Movies that seem to center around Thanksgiving. Now, there are a ton of Christmas movies that are great. I mean, there are a ton of Christmas movies that, you know, as it gets closer to Christmas, we'll, we'll run down that list. I, I did that last year and talked a little bit about Christmas movies. And who knows, there may be a new instant classic that comes out sometime soon. But I found a list of the best movies about Thanksgiving. And let me just say that when I look at this list, the, the, the top 10, there are some of these that either I've not ever seen or I had no idea that they were about Thanksgiving. They might have a Thanksgiving theme in it, but this list says that this movie, that these movies are about Thanksgiving. I give you one that didn't make the list of the top 10. Um, is a movie called uh, the is a Disney movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas. No idea that that one was about Thanksgiving. Another one that didn't make the top ten, Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. 
that is not about Thanksgiving. So I have to say that because when I tell you these top 10 movies, I, I won't list all of them, but when I tell you some of these top 10 movies, you're, gonna, you're probably going to think, I didn't know those were about Thanksgiving. And honestly, they're probably not. It may just have Thanksgiving in it. But see, this is how, this is how desperate Thanksgiving is to be noticed. If it gets a mention in a movie, then it makes it on this list as being about Thanksgiving. It's not. Thanksgiving is wonderful. It's a great time with family. It's a great time to be thankful for many, many things. It has a lot of great foods, but it just doesn't get the publicity of Christmas. Understandably, but it's still a wonderful holiday. Give you an example of this list. Number eight on the list is the Disney animated movie Pocahontas. Now, I get the idea of the Indians, uh, Native Americans, excuse me, and the uh, and the pilgrims sitting down together and enjoying a meal and having the very first Thanksgiving. However, that's really not what Pocahontas the movie is all about. Um, again, I, I understand why it might have made this list, but... Honestly, it's not really about Thanksgiving, but at least you have to tip your cap to the people made who made this list who at least included it, if for no other reason, because Native Americans and pilgrims are in the movie. Number seven on the list is one that's called Home for the Holidays. Now, I've not seen this movie. It came out in 95 and 1995, and it's uh, directed by Jodie Foster, and it has Robert Downey Jr., Claire Danes, Holly Hunter, and has some others in it, but I have no idea if this movie is about Thanksgiving. It just says home for the holidays, so I can imagine it's probably about Christmas, but who knows? It may be about Thanksgiving and home for the holidays, and it may center around Thanksgiving. If I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Now, here is a movie that I can emphatically say has Thanksgiving in it is not about Thanksgiving. It's the movie The Blind Side. I'm aware of this movie, one, because I saw it, number two, because I am an Ole Miss fan. Those of you that are not Ole Miss fans, pardon me. I am sorry, uh, but that's the way my dad raised me. He's from Mississippi, and he's an Ole Miss fan, and uh, so I followed in his footsteps. But this movie is about a young man who is African-American, taken in by a fairly well-off uh, white family, and the, the young man ends up playing football at, at Ole Miss. And that's what the movie's about. It's about him living with them, playing football in high school, you know, this 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 is his life, okay? It's not about Thanksgiving. It's got Thanksgiving in it, but it's not about Thanksgiving. So you can tell I kind of take issue with this. Uh, the Adams Family Values is on the list. Grumpy Old Men is on the list. Again, had no idea this was about Thanksgiving. But I do have to say the top three movies at least are uh, – centered around the time of the year of Thanksgiving. And number two on the list should probably be number one. So number three on the list is Beethoven. I have not seen this movie in forever. It came out in 1992. It's about a big old dog. And yeah, I know that it, it the, the movie happened around the time of Thanksgiving, and so therefore it is considered a Thanksgiving movie. So number one on the list is is a very funny movie, is Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles has Steve Martin and John Candy in it. And those two guys are just hilarious together. I mean, they are very opposite people, not only in life, but also in the movie. And uh, it's their, you know journey to try to get back to their home and they're trying to get back for Thanksgiving and they end up taking planes and trains and automobiles and riding in the back of trucks you know in the end of the 
toward the, the end of the month of November to try to get back for Thanksgiving, and it's hilarious, some, some of the stuff that they have to deal with. But the number one movie, in my opinion, is number two on this list, which is a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. What Thanksgiving would be complete without the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving feast? Charlie Brown and Snoopy and all of Charlie Brown's friends come together for a ridiculous feast. I mean, these are children that have that have created this feast. They eat popcorn. I mean, it's just, it's a classic. People look forward to it being on television because this creates a memory in their brain from their childhood, from when they watched Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. In my humble opinion, that movie ought to be number one on the list. What movie's number one on your list and why? Well, a lot of times these movies are special to us because they come on television or they came out the first time around that time of the year. And it's almost like when you see something on television or you see something in a movie or you see a picture of something on the internet or the magazine, you can almost smell the TV screen. You can almost taste what you're looking at because the sense of smell and the sights and the sounds and the good feels and all of that stuff is wrapped up in the movie that you watch, the food that you eat, the time of the year, the way that you dress, the family that comes over, the places that you go, on and on and on. And here's my challenge about this. You know, Thanksgiving is three weeks away. My challenge to you is to make this year's Thanksgiving the most memorable holiday ever. Not because in a Christian calendar it's the most important, because in a Christian calendar we understand that the birth of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus are the two most important holidays, the two most important days on the Christian calendar. However, what I would say is, honestly, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ every day. We're thankful for the birth of Jesus every day. So in all reality, Christians don't need one day to celebrate the birth of Jesus, and we don't need one day to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. We do that every day. But Thanksgiving is one of those moments that flies under the radar that almost forces us to do something that is Christian in and of itself, and that is to have a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of thanksgiving, to just stop and say, God, thank you for the good things that you've given to me. Not every person that celebrates Thanksgiving is going to have a table full of food like on the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. There may be some people that eat some very non-traditional Thanksgiving food because that's the best that they have. Some people have not had turkey or ham or dressing or any of those wonderful sides and all of that kind of food because, let's be honest, for whatever reason, Thanksgiving is not what it used to be. Maybe you've lost a family member and you don't gather together at that home like you used to, and so you don't celebrate Thanksgiving like you did because it brings up too many difficult memories to deal with. But you know, regardless of the food, regardless of the place, regardless of the day of the week, this Thanksgiving season that we're in right now should resonate in your heart and in your mind a spirit of thanksgiving to God, to all of the great things that he's done for you. And if there is anything that you can give thanks to God for, give thanks to God for Jesus. Give thanks to God for the gift of eternal life. Give thanks to God for the health that you have, for the family that you have left, for the memories that you have of the past and the memories that you can make in the future. Find some reason over the next three weeks to stop and say thank you for something. Write it down, put it in a notebook, put it on a sticky pad and put it on your refrigerator. Text somebody, email somebody and say, this is what I am thankful for. You know, so many times we flood social media with opinions 
and anger and frustration, and we put all of these things out there on social media, and people think, well, that's what you're passionate about. That's what your life is all about. What if we just took this season over the next few weeks, and every single thing that we posted on social media was just something that we were thankful for? I think it would change, at least for a season, not only our attitude, but the attitude of other people around us to show them that we truly can be thankful for something. And speaking of Thanksgiving, I saw another list that tells us what the top most delicious Thanksgiving side dishes are. So I don't know which of these you plan to make. Uh, of course, green beans, corn on the cob, baked sweet potato, macaroni and cheese, green bean casserole, all of those are in the top 10. The top three are mashed potatoes, stuffing, and gravy. Honestly, I could do without mashed potatoes, and I could do without gravy. Give me some stuffing, some green bean casserole, and baked sweet potatoes, and get out of my way. But those are the top ones. I don't know which ones you're planning on making. So... I've shared with you some stories that deal with food, and the topic has really been the proof is in the pudding. And of course, you know, you say this to children, they look at a vegetable and they say, well, I don't want to eat that. It's disgusting. And the parent's response is, well, try it. You might like it. Have you, have you eaten any of it yet? Do you even know if you like it? And the proof is in the pudding. You'll know if you like it if you bother to try it, if you bother to eat it. And so when we use those phrases, essentially what we're talking about is over time, with a little experience, with a little bit of history, you'll know whether or not you think it's the real deal. Well, the last couple of weeks, social media, Twitter, Facebook, I'm sure others, probably Graham, I don't have that. Um, some other social media sites, some news media sites, have been abuzz over Kanye West. Now, for a little background, if you don't know who Kanye West is, Kanye, I guess is, I know he was, an R&B artist, um, African-American, been around in the, in the entertainment world for the last probably 15-ish years, maybe a little bit more. Kanye's music is a little different. Um, he's not a singer. He's, I guess, classified as a rapper. But, you know, his music has been a little different, a little edgy, a little interesting. He's had some moments. Uh, there was a infamous award ceremony where Taylor Swift, when she was first beginning, was given an award for, I believe it was top music video or something like that of the year by MTV. And as she goes up there to accept her award, Kanye West jumps up there and does his famous, I'ma let you finish, meaning he interrupts Taylor Swift's thank you speech and says, I'ma let you finish, but after grabbing the mic says, but Beyonce had the best music video of all time. I don't even remember what song it was, but I, I do remember hearing about that and seeing clips of him jumping up on stage doing that. So Kanye West traditionally in the past has had kind of an interesting personality. He's been in the media. He has been, he has said some curious things. Uh, he was, uh, standing next to the actor named Mike, Michael Myers, uh, Mike Myers, uh, who, you know, has made a ton of movies and they are standing next to one another talking about the effects of hurricane Katrina and calling for people to give to the red cross and be supportive. And Mike Myers is, is going through, you know, just the standard, you know, here's the problem. Here's what people should do. And Kanye West looks at the camera and says, George Bush doesn't care about black people. And Mike Myers tries to continue on with what he's saying. And, you know, these are the kinds of strange 
you know, moments, these, you know, speaking out times, the off script things, the, the kind of brash, bold, weird personality that Kanye has had in the past. Several weeks ago, it came out in the news and in the media that Kanye West had given his life to Christ and had become a born-again Christian. And he was in the process of making a new album entitled Jesus is King, which just released the, uh, this past week. And Kanye has been interviewed. He has been all over the place, just, you know, all kinds of stories about him. In fact, there was a pastor who recently praised Kanye's last minute, what he called Sunday service, where a thousand people raised their hands, I'm reading this article, to commit their lives to Christ on Friday, and the pastor called it a new wave of revival. Uh, He opened up his Sunday service, which is not always held on Sunday, to the public a few months ago, he goes across the country. I think he was in my hometown of Baton Rouge this past weekend. And he holds gospel services. He performs songs from his Jesus is King album. Um, he was in Lafayette on Friday. He was in Baton Rouge on Sunday. And he is sharing the message of Christ. He's talking about the gospel. He is calling people to trust in Jesus and to follow him. And this is all taking the world by surprise. Because here's a guy who has been pretty different, pretty unusual, pretty out of the box for his career. His music has been a little non-traditional. And now he comes out saying that he is a born-again Christian and he's calling people to become followers of Christ. He has a 80-member choir that travels with him and they sing songs with him. And, you know, he's posted videos, he's given interviews. And like I said, there have been dozens upon dozens of articles written about Kanye West. Let me just tell you the names of some of these articles. One of them says Kanye West Sunday service had over a thousand commit their lives to Christ. Another one says why Christian rapper Lecrae supports Kirk Franklin, Dove Award boycott, and Kanye West's newfound faith. Another one says Kanye West Jesus is King album crowns the top Christian albums and top gospel albums chart. Another one says that Kanye West's Jesus is King album tops Billboard 200 and the Christian charts. Here's the title of an article that says, Kanye West Christian conversion is less about Jesus than it is about Kanye. There's another article that says, Can Kanye West Make Christianity Great Again? I have several thoughts on this, and and I, I want to get to them sort of in a logical order. The first elephant in the room that I need to address about Kanye West is the same issue that I would address about you and honestly about any person on the planet. I would simply say that one person's faith and salvation and the assurance of their salvation is not dependent upon my attitude of what they say and confess. My opinion of any person's salvation is simply to say that if they have made a profession of faith and have claim to have trusted in Jesus and confess him as as Savior and Lord, then that salvation and the assurance of their salvation is between them and God. Kanye West does not need thousands of articles written and millions of Christians to agree or disagree whether or not he is a born-again child of God. That's That's between him and the Lord Jesus Christ. That being said, my hope is, like with any person on the planet, that his conversion is genuine. 
I'm not saying that because the man is an R&B artist. I'm not saying that because he's in the entertainment industry. I would say that about someone who, uh, you know, works a, a cash register at a convenience store. I would say that about any teacher in a public school. I would say that about any lawyer that practices law in any town. Regardless of how much influence you think that you have, when someone becomes a Christian, people notice. And sometimes the bigger the stage that that person has had or will have, the greater responsibility that person has to truly point people to Jesus. And so my hope and prayer is that if, in fact, Kanye West is a born-again child of God, my hope and prayer is that there would be much fruit that would come from it. To begin the argument and nitpick and say over the first few weeks of knowing this that his conversion is more about himself than it is about Jesus, frankly, I think is an unfair statement to make. I don't know the man's heart. I can, I can read the interviews. I can see what he says when he's interviewed on, uh, you know, on the television. I can read the lyrics of his songs. And I can say my hope and prayer is that God has gotten a hold of him, that Jesus has stepped into his life, and that the Holy Spirit of God is leading and guiding him in all things and in all ways. Listen, I would want you to hope that about my life. You know, there have been preachers and deacons in Southern Baptist churches over the years that have served in those capacities for decades and have not been born again and have in their later years said, you know, I was just playing a game. I was playing a role all along. I really didn't know Christ. I really wasn't born again. So if Kanye West is making all of this up, then he's going to have to answer to God, not to me. But if Kanye West is genuine, then yes, he will have to have that confirmation between him and God. But I also pray that a lot of fruit would come from it. The article that I read to you, the title where it said Christian or Kanye West, Christian conversion is less about Jesus than it is about Kanye, is talking about, in my opinion, the person that he was in the past. Now, in a recent interview with James Corden, James Corden, by the way, is, is British and he has a late night talk show on American television. I don't know the name of it and I don't know when it comes on. I don't even know what network it comes on. I just know that he has a late night talk show. But James Corden got on an, an airplane with Kanye West and did an interview last week. And not only did Kanye have his entire 80-member choir with him that sang in the interview, and James Gordon just ate that up, loved it. But he also asked Kanye, what do you say to people who doubt whether or not this change in your life is real? And Kanye's answer was surprisingly deep in the sense of it gave me pause to, to, to stop and thank the Lord for what seemed to be a very genuine response. Kanye said, would you agree that when you're asleep, that you're asleep and that when you're awake, that you're awake? And of course, you know, James Gordon is shaking his head. And the point Kanye went on to make is when people doubt his genuine decision because they are dead and asleep in their sin, that they are doubting that the other person is really awake when in reality they are still asleep themselves. And what Kanye was trying to get at and, and what his real point was, there was a time in his life when he was asleep, when he was dead in his sin and trapped in that. But Jesus rescued him from that and now he is awake. And again, the depth of this man's faith is not mine to question. The manner in which he lives out his faith is not mine to debate. At the end of the day, the only sinner that Randy Johnson is responsible for ultimately is Randy Johnson. 
I don't live my life to be responsible for whether or not Kanye West is saved or how Kanye West practices his faith. It is only my prayer, it is only my hope, and it is only it would only be my joy to know that Kanye West is not only a genuine brother and a born-again child of God, but is then going to use that platform to, I pray, bring thousands upon thousands of people to genuine repentance and faith through the authentic preaching and teaching and sharing of the gospel and living out that faith in Christ. Because you know what? That's the same thing I pray about for you. In the sound of my voice, if you are a born-again child of God, you are just as valuable to the kingdom of God as Kanye West. You are just as valuable to the kingdom of God as I am. You and I and whoever else is a born-again child of God have equal access to God and equal value in the eyes of God and share the same responsibility as the next believer in Christ, and that is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Some of us are going to do that one person at a time. Some of us might do that 1,000 people at a time. But just because one person has a greater platform than another doesn't make them more special or more specialized than someone else. And so, again, my hope and prayer is that many people would come to a saving relationship with Christ because of what I hope and pray to be a genuine salvation in Kanye. The next issue that I want to address with this is the discipleship factor. Every single person who comes into a saving relationship with Jesus needs to grow and develop in that relationship. And if Kanye West truly is a believer in Christ and truly has been born again, then he is no different than any other person that I would say needs to grow in the faith and the knowledge of Jesus Christ and develop as a child of God. He needs someone to challenge him. He needs somebody to hold him accountable. He needs somebody to, uh, to help explain certain aspects of the Christian faith to him. He needs someone to to help explain and teach the Word of God to him so that he can grow and develop in Christ's likeness. I had that. I continue to have that. There are plenty of, of people that I turn to on a regular basis to hear them teach and preach and share from the Word of God. I, I, I attend times when other men will pour into me and other men at the same time in devotionals and, and moments of, of teaching and preaching. I read, I study, I pray, and all I'm simply saying is that's the journey that Kanye needs to be on. But unfortunately, some people in an instant change in someone's life want everything to change in an instant. And unfortunately, the process of sanctification is a lifelong process. It's a lifelong journey that we go on. I've always thought of, of sanctification and discipleship sort of like Jesus looking at a huge slab of marble. And he has a hammer and a chisel in his hand. Initially, those first few whacks of the hammer against the chisel that is up against the marble is going to cut off some big chunks. But the, the longer that the architect and the artist works on that piece of marble, the smaller those pieces are going to be because he is literally refining the sculpture that he's trying to make. But look, the sculpture doesn't just leap out of the slab of marble. It takes time for the artist to continue to knock off the rough edges, to polish certain areas, to knock off some big areas, and then to take a small chisel and, and a tiny hammer and just make some very delicate changes to some very specific areas. This is what discipleship is like. There are times that God gets out a huge sledgehammer and a 
ginormous chisel and cuts off huge chunks of foolishness out of my life and yours. But there are other times that God will take a very small chisel and a very tiny hammer and with almost with magnifying glasses precision get so close to develop something in our life that we need some character some trait some something that needs to be refined in our life and it takes time to get to that point all i'm saying about kanye west is simply this let the man develop as a christian pray for him encourage him offer him up to the lord just like you would your pastor, just like you would Christian friends, just like you would any person that has any ounce of celebrity out in the world who has a platform to preach and talk about the gospel of Jesus, pray for that person. I think too many times we go to social media, we go to our friends, we go to work, we go to school only to criticize and tear people down and judge them for what things we don't know about them. I don't know a lot of things about Kanye, so I am not qualified to speak about the spiritual depth that he has. Now, I know quite a bit of things about my wife, my Christian friends, my other pastor friends, and I could speak with some certainty as far as what I know about their spiritual depth. But that's only because I know them personally. I've had difficult conversations with them. We've had some iron sharpens iron discussion, and they've seen things in me that has grown. I've seen things in them that have grown, and we've had this kind of relationship back and forth. Until I have the opportunity to do that with Kanye... And until more information comes out about his personal beliefs, his growth in the Lord and his discipleship and how God is working in his life, then all I'm going to do is just pray for him. That's it. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to judge. Because listen, another thing we need to be really honest about, the information that comes to you and comes to me about celebrity Christians comes through the lens of media. And since when did any stream of media tell 100% of the truth all the time? They're going to take it and skew it and put an opinion on it, change words around. They might put quotes around things, but they can take things out of context. Listen, the last thing in the world I want to do is read three or four interviews that Kanye gives and make an eternal decision about the man's discipleship. What I want to do is what I'm encouraging you to do, and that is be thankful if the Lord changed his heart, changed his life, and pray for the man. Pray for his influence and pray for those that are around him to not only speak into him and and be a part of that discipleship process, but those around him that don't know Christ, that they would come to know Jesus as a result of someone who we pray genuinely gave their life to Jesus Christ. I know that this show has been primarily about food, (laughs) but honestly, the title of the show is the reason why I shared what I did about Kanye, and that is the proof is in the pudding. You know, the evidence of a life that has been changed is change that comes from a life. And so just like the fruit of the Spirit comes as a result of the Spirit being in someone's life, So that will happen in my life, it'll happen in yours, and we pray it'll happen in Kanye's as well. If the man is a truly born-again child of God, then the Holy Spirit of God will produce fruit in him that can only be explained by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the same is true in my life, same is true in yours. And so I, on that note, I want to encourage you to be a part of what God is doing at Columbia Baptist Church. We meet for worship every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. We have Bible studies for all ages, from birth all the way to senior adults, that meets at around 1020, 1030, uh, after our worship service, that we would love to invite you to be a part of one of those. And we have a Sunday evening schedule that also has something for everybody, a meal at 530, and then at 615, we have Bible studies from 
babies all the way to senior adults. So we just want to encourage you to be a part of what God is doing at Columbia Baptist Church. I'm Randy Johnson, thankful to God to be the senior pastor at Columbia Baptist Church, and thankful that you have joined me this evening for this broadcast. Thank you again so much, and may God bless you this evening and for the rest of this week. Hey, this is Pastor Randy Johnson. Thank you so much for joining me for What's the Word? That show airs every Wednesday night at 6 o'clock on 101.9 WAIN right here in the heart of Adair County in Columbia, Kentucky. Or you can catch the replay of What's the Word on my podcast, which is called Walk This Way. And you can find that in several different places. You can find it at anchor.fm backslash walk this way on the internet, or you can find it on different apps and, and places that carry podcasts like iTunes, Spotify, Pocket Cast, and all sorts of uh, places. You can find this broadcast. You can find messages that I've preached. And I just want to encourage you to make it a point to tune in, subscribe, and listen to all sorts of content that's on my podcast, which is called, again, Walk This Way. Thank you so much for joining me.